0: Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast, usually about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. For the very first time, coming to you from Kenmore, New York, in the town of Tonawanda, Buffalo's first suburb, I'm Bobby and Joining me, from the of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bobby. And, in the Dear Blind Studios in the Mountain Room, at the ranch in Manchac, Texas, it's Mike the Jail Dude Frizzell. Hi Mike. Good morning. And I shorted you a nickname and with a plan.
1: <laughs> I think everybody knows that I have a plan.
0: I think it's just that I have to get emotionally ramped up to read Mike's um, studio name.
1: It's it's like um, doing this ski jump. You need that entire ramp to work yourself up before <laughs> you take the jump off of it.
0: Yeah, uh, more on best uses of your legs in LRB business, Uh, then we'll do a weekend review, some housekeeping, and how you can get involved. Um, But before we get into the breaking news in the Mountain Room at the Ranch in Manchac, Texas, we want to remind you all to take a listen to our Friday show if you haven't already. And if you don't want any more TBTL content in your life, that's okay, because Friday's show had very little to do with TBTL. In fact, it was the latest installment of the LRB Pop Culture Challenge wherein Mike and I watched eight episodes of the CW – well, I won't say hit – the CW cult favorite, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, as we were dared, basically, to do by Anne and Meredith. Um, And it was a full house. It was uh, the three of us, plus Meredith and Christy, to examine uh, our experiences watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And since this was your brainchild, do you have anything you want to
1: add to the pitch for this? Uh, You mean – Everybody go listen to Anne's desperate monologue about a television show. That should be my pitch.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't say it was desperate. I think uh, it has resonated with a lot of people. We've already gotten a lot of feedback on the Facebook page uh, about that episode and how much people have enjoyed it. Uh, And in fact, we've got a throw your phone moment um, about that. Let me scroll down to the right section of the run sheet. Uh, Here we go. This is from listener Jolene. She says, okay, I am having some tech issues here. This was the second she had put in in rapid fire succession. But I wanted to actually hug my phone listening to your pop culture shows. I thought the Super Bowl one was especially great because all I want to do when I have to watch sports ball is pick the team to win based on uniform color and make jokes about balls, too. (laughs) Then she says, could this be a kind of no point for the non sports balls fans? I love it.
2: So, Jolene, you can't watch hockey then, because Puck's just, it's not as funny.
1: No.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not the same. We I mean, come up with other stuff. I mean, there's there's uh, there's some intimate cross-checking and things like that that happen once in a while. But
2: If you listen just for double entendres, um, any kind of sports can be really entertaining <laughs> for you.
0: Uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback on the Pop Culture Challenge 1-2-4. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I haven't put into our notes here, but just go take a look at our Facebook page at LittleRedBandwagon.com. What am I talking about? Look at our Facebook page at Little Red Bandwagon on Facebook for that.
1: Yep. And I do want to say that I don't actually spend every moment of my waking hours thinking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, although it may have seemed that way (laughs) from... The show, But I had spent a lot of time prepping for this because I wanted to do it right. And so I read a lot of articles and then I watched some interviews and I rewatched the first season of the show. And I thought really hard about what it meant to me and what I liked about it. And it was all swirling around in my brain so much that I sort of felt like a little bit desperate to get everything out. So it, it wasn't as terrible when I re-listened to it the other day, but Bobby, thank you very much for the one time you gently pulled on the reins. I think you averted disaster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Only because you told me to. I, I am not in the business of intentionally interrupting another host, especially a lady host, uh, but you did ask us before we started I did. to do that. I, didn't I
1: did, and I meant it, and I just want everyone to know I left a lot on the table. I had several other areas that I was willing to talk about. So maybe I do need to start my crazy ex-girlfriend podcast.
0: I asked Christy as we were recording or right after we recorded, if such a podcast existed and she seems to have found one uh, for listeners. My crazy ex, it's some play on their name, but it's a really stupid name for the show. So I know we could do better. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we, you know, I, what I'm saying is I don't want to do any work. (laughs) <laughs> but if you all who are obsessed with crazy ex-girlfriend wanted a weekly show where you break down all oh, right i wanted to call it the the west covino weekly that's good yeah so mm-hmm. if you want to do that we can probably find some help we've got plenty of people listening right now who i'm sure would be excited to learn how to edit and produce a podcast
2: we have plenty of friends we have friends yeah
1: <laughs> we friends. definitely have friends
0: <laughs> so go listen to that that's the point uh, my update, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is my first episode recording from our new apartment upstairs, second floor in Kenmore, New York, which is a village in the town of Tonawanda, New York, which you may know from the time that guy, it is sub parked on a side street and it was in the Buffalo news and it became national news because it was summertime and there was no real news.
2: I loved that story though. I really did. Yeah, I really did. Cause some guy was just exercising his rights and people, assholes were getting upset.
0: About yeah. Um, I officially live in the land of not in my backyardism, I'm literally, um, I'm just a few blocks from that sub shop. I've yet to go over and get a mm-hmm. sub from it yet, but I will. And I'll think of that guy when I eat it in, in my own house, park in
2: front of those people's houses and, and eat it. <laughs> uh,
0: so, uh, dazzling details about Kenmore, New York. Uh, there aren't a lot of them. It's an old village. It's close to Buffalo, but a mile North. I'm about two blocks over from Kenmore West high school, which, uh, is notable in that it was uh the high school of wolf blitzer um who also went to my alma mater the university at buffalo and that's about it so welcome to buffalo everyone if anyone's out here let me know we started a buffalo tens group fairly recently there are a few of us and i would love to get us together soon also perhaps a road trip to uh meet some toronto tens at some point in the future once the weather gets better because toronto is a lot more fun in the summer uh with that mike You've got a stump date for us. I do,
2: but first, uh, congratulations to one of our um, LRB family, Michael Farnan, had a niece, Edith Prudence. I saw her like all all tucked in like a burrito in his arms mm-hmm. this week on Facebook, looking very cute. So, congratulations, being an uncle—it's the best. All right, on to the birthday my list. Stump- <laughs> my my stump date. Uh, I think I said last week that it was only a matter of time. I was finally getting close to uh, getting a leg uh, for my second uh, stump. And I have an appointment tomorrow at 1 o'clock. That would be Monday. As you listen to this, it will be today. I have an appointment today to get the the temporary uh, basket for my left leg. If it fits they're going to let me keep it while they make the carbon fiber one. So it's looking very likely that I will be up on two sticks by late tomorrow afternoon. Um, I have no, I'm trying not to have a lot of expectations. I've, I'm trying to look at it as if I now have another option to get around, you know, cause uh, getting into one of these things is hard and it's a arduous process. So, I'm not just going to be, you know, doing cartwheels in the <laughs> in, on the back in the in the back forty or anything, but um, but I I will have start to have some more options. It, what what we're really faced with is sort of a dilemma that we're going to have to figure out in the house, in that um, prostheses don't work well with ramps, they work better with steps, and mm-hmm. we have ramps everywhere here, so. I may be doing a combination of rolling and standing for a while because when the ramps come out, they got to probably all come out. But um, since at the very beginning, I will only be able to wear that leg for uh, an hour, two, or three at a time. Um, it's going to be like a weird hybrid of me getting around for a while until I'm f- fairly proficient. I've decided not to opt for being shorter unless I prove I, I can't handle uh, being tall again so
0: you hate short people so much that you're going to challenge yourself physically harder than you have to yes to be what six you two, it. Six, three. what are you going for
2: six two six two <laughs> yeah. yeah i may grow some hair so i can do six nine
0: <laughs> I'm just gonna go <laughs> for that that straight up poof
2: yeah all right but who's the guy on the figure skating the 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 announcer. Oh, Johnny Weir. Of hair every time? Yeah, I'm going to go for the Johnny Weir. I'll be a seven-footer. I'll be in the NBA.
0: <laughs> I like the idea of um, Mike gaining all the weight back that he used to have by way of bedazzlement.
2: Oh, sure. <laughs> 335 pounds of... of uh,
0: Gem's c- Yeah. Crafting. <laughs> well, congratulations, Mike. I mean, uh, I don't want to be premature about it, but uh, we'll be thinking of you Monday, today. Depending on how you or three years ago if you're just catching up an LRB. <laughs> right. And yeah. uh hopefully by the time everybody's, you know, finished hearing this one, uh, you'll be up and running around.
2: Yeah. It seems to I mean it's been quite inspirational Olympics to watch if if you're an amputee. It seems that every other commercial or promo <laughs> features amputees this year. Even the Rocks movie. Yeah. That's coming out. Yeah.
0: Are you getting I mean, uh, it's pretty. A free Toyota? It's a great
2: time to be a cripple in America. I should get a free Toyota. It seems like every every every, uh, every amputee should get a free Toyota at this point. It should be like going on the Oprah show.
0: <laughs> All right. We've got more Throw Your Phone moments, but we're going to take them as they come. Actually, we'll do one more now. Uh, this is from listener Sadie, and it doesn't really fit into our framework. So we'll go ahead and do it here. She says, this is a hug my phone. I know LRB doesn't usually cover the Hey Dummies video, but Andrew is so sweet with Theodore Murray. Sorry to yell, by the way. And apologies to the listeners who stopped listening to Friday's show two minutes in because of Mike's outburst. You can keep going. That's the loudest moment in the
1: episode. (laughs)
0: Uh, And that was not an editing error. Mike was just really loud. Yep, Uh, I took out the other one. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Andrew's so sweet with Theodore Murray. I don't
2: I I wait a minute, Anne. I was pretty worked up about your mendacity.
1: I know. That's why I left it in. I felt that it was important. I, I but there just, was another one further think... later on in the episode where you yelled so loud. I mean, much louder than that one, that it completely blew everything out and I had to like cut a chunk because I just couldn't leave it in.
2: I understand your passion, Ann. I understand your passion, but I expect better from you than, than lies. It's not my
1: passion we're talking about. It's your passion.
2: No, 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 no. I, I'm just telling you why I was so so angry, because that night I found out that you had intentionally deceived us into watching more Crazy Ex-Girlfriend than was matching for mm-hmm.
0: people. Uh, I'm still mad. Go listen to Friday. I'm Show just not going to scream. You care more about that, and... uh A nice use of the word mendacity, Mike. I think that might be the word of the day. Don't say it around Luke or else we're going to hear it on every day for like two weeks of episodes. Uh, Let me repeat, because Sadie's point is well taken. She has a hug my phone. She said, we don't usually cover the Hey Dummies video, but Andrew is so sweet with Theodore Murray. I don't usually especially love cats, but for some reason that just melted my heart. And yes, it was pretty adorable. It was was also nice to get one with luke and andrew in the same room for western new york people there are there's a law firm called seleno and barnes that's pretty big here um and they are started in buffalo and it's these two guys who i grew up calling baldy and douchebag which seems (laughs) unreasonable for at least one of them because balding is not an offense um But uh, they hate each other so much they went through a law firm divorce but then got back together again because they make a lot more money when they are together. They're a dynamic duo. And there are these commercials that come on every commercial break on the local channels here where the two of them are talking, but they are clearly in separate rooms on white screens and have been – they're on a white background. And you can see them like fake – it's like when they do those pop-up promos for TV shows during football games and they ask you to like – the actors are just sort of like – Gently moving around and nodding for about ten seconds so they have that live little Chiron head. Right. They're both doing that and sort of looking at one another, but it's very obvious they're in different places because they hate each other. Um it was nice to get Luke and Andrew on camera together. That's my point.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually getting to see Theodore Murray, I'm like, wait a minute, where are all these tales of this monster cat coming from? Because he seemed perfectly sweet. Yep.
2: Right. Yep. He really did. And and Luke Luke's fashion was on point. His haircut
1: mm, looked good. That
2: fleece I mean, jacket
1: thing he was wearing. Yep.
2: Very urban cowboy. I mean,
0: I assume
1: this meow. is from Everlane. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, let's get started with our Week in Review, starting with Monday, episode number 2579, Responsible Synthesizer Laws. Uh, I took to heart a conversation from last week where I just took thinner notes. So if you guys think I missed anything... Let me know. Luke is back after missing the end of last week on vacation and Friday for reasons that uh, really don't get explained.
1: I know I was so mad about that. He said, quote, there was some flight stuff, unquote. And that was the entire explanation of why he missed Friday. Yeah, it's
0: the first time in a while I've wanted them to talk more about Skyjinks and mm-hmm. Luke's yeah. irresponsibility with flying.
2: Someone should have had a picture of him. Like lying, lying on his back in that in plate glass window shards around the sports bar in the <laughs> Palm Springs Airport skateboard wheel wheels still spinning you know, like like you're gonna take the you're gonna take a video but the, the wheels have stopped spinning you need a friend to go start them spinning again so it can be a more dramatic shot. <laughs>
0: Uh, so for whatever reason, Luke was gone. Reasons he clearly didn't want to get into, because we get 98% of his life on the show, and he chose not to mention that. And I think sometimes an omission of content is just as important as content. Mm-hmm. Luke notes that he thinks the show, quote, rings when he's not on it. Which is funny, because we've said that here. Yep. Um, he might really enjoy Little Red Bandwagon if it was Andrew's podcast. <laughs> Uh, and then we get into our first controversy of the week, which is Luke encountering some Pac-12 officials in the Alaska Airlines lounge. Uh, Luke wants to engage in conversation with them. In Luke's narrative, he's sitting at the bar next to them. Everybody's having a casual time. He's not trying to be that fan who wants to argue a call or ask about the politics of being. He just wants to bro down with these officials. Uh, and he is offended When not only do they not want to talk about work, but one of them gets up and leaves to go catch his flight a few minutes earlier than he had to, to avoid talking to Luke.
2: I'm sure that's the, that's their directive. Don't engage with the public about officiating. Just don't do it.
1: He (laughs) seems normally he's such a self-aware guy in general, but spinning this narrative where he says to them, Oh, Hey, I've always had this question. Let me lay this on you. And them being fine with that, he figured. He, he doesn't understand that they get that, what, a thousand times whenever anybody knows that they're officials. He can't see how yeah. that would come off to them as being somebody who was about to launch into something long-winded and inappropriate about officiating. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh it's like going to a zoo, just uh don't harass the zebras. These guys are off duty <laughs> I
2: see what you did that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't actually even like calling them that, but you know they're they're off duty they're just trying to live their life uh and it's an airport too. I mean people are people have airport routines like when I go to the airport, i wanna eat if I have time, i wanna. People watch. I want to have a couple of drinks at a weird hour of the day because, you know, laws of time and logic stop in airports. I want to laugh at the people in their pajamas. And then I want to enjoy my flight. I don't want to talk about
1: work.
2: Someone right. has watched you and deduced what you do for a living and now they want to engage in some conversation about it.
1: And it's not like it's you're even... are trying to
2: shame eat some McDonald's or something.
1: <laughs> it's not like it's even a regular bar. It's in the Alaska Lounge. It's in a private lounge area that you have to be a vip to get into so it's not as if it's the neighborhood sports bar that he wants to talk to them at
0: right yeah these guys haven't it's not like they're hanging out in the club level of an arena they they've they've intentionally avoided being in a workplace and that's a good point about the alaska lounge too being a vip place you know you're supposed to get uh some privacy there that's not afforded in the regular concourse. That's why you go there. That and the free cheese <laughs>
1: soup.
2: Well, I have a couple things on this. First of all, uh, Luke calls the PAC 12, a second tier conference. It's literally the conference of champions, more NCAA championships than any conference in the history of time ever. So Luke stop bad mouthing our conference and stop wanting to go to lower-tier bulls because it makes you feel good about your past with the team. I don't like that. Knock it off. Okay. Now, you can't bro down with officials. They are not – They most of them do not have a sense of humor. Sorry, Barb. Her husband's a, a basketball official and an umpire. And I've done a little bit of it myself. And I found that I have a little bit too much humor. When I'm doing it because people are taking their sport very seriously and you just can't, you can't joke around because everyone thinks they're a great athlete and they don't, they don't want the officials joking around.
0: Well, and also friendliness creates a situation an appearance of, of bias, because if you're joking around with one person and everyone in the building is, is biased, except you, (laughs) uh, it, you know, you can't joke around with one player. And then not have that rapport with the player on the other team, and then not have the entire mm-hmm. room think that you're in it for someone. I think it's different right. in baseball, where a home plate umpire, you know, builds a rapport with catchers because they're in such mm-hmm. awkwardly close proximity over and over again for hours at a time. But like, you can't you can't make a joke with one player and then not have half the room think you're you're pulling for that player.
2: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And and the story I have is about an umpire. I may have told this story on the show before, but I'm going to tell it in this context again. Um, umpires, humorless. This was one of my best spoofs, my best on-field sports or on-court sports spoofs of all time. And everyone with an earshot laughed except the umpire. So I'm like 15, 16 at the most. And it's it's summer league. It's uh, like American Legion baseball, and we are about to go up against this guy who was like a major league prospect. He's a, he's just, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be drafted. This guy is throwing what what was then major league fastball, which was like low nineties, which I had never seen before. And I was probably in the lineup because the regular outfielder was like, uh, I don't want to take the collar from this guy. So you go out there. So this powerful right-handed guy, huge guy, already built like a man. And I'm 6'2", 135, 140 pounds, you know, soaking wet. And so, and I'm batting pretty low in the lineup, probably seventh or eighth. So I'm watching him just mow everyone down. And I'm in the on-deck circle, and I'm trying to think, what's my strategy? I, I will not hit this fastball. So he threw a curve to the guy before me, and I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm just going to sit on a curve. When he throws the curve, I'll just, you know, dribble it to first base and and run it out and, you know, keep from being humiliated. So I get up and I, you know, try to look as – the guy had good control, so, you know, it wasn't like fearing for your life. So, you know, I get up there, and I I look brave in my stance, and I look like I I could probably hit the ball – I know I'm not going to hit the ball. Fastball, I never even saw it. Strike one. So I'm like, okay, well, he's probably, he. you know, guys have uh, egos. Women have egos as well in sports. When you're in sports, you like, you want to prove you can do everything. So I'm like, eventually he's going to want to throw a curveball. Second pitch, pff, strike. Fastball. Never saw it. Okay, so now I'm like, okay, well, here comes. Here comes a curveball. He may be even making me chase it. And so what? I'll just chase it and then I'll go sit down. Another fastball. Never really saw it. And and I just I put my bat on my shoulder and I didn't turn around because you're not you're not supposed to turn around to talk to the umpire, you know, when you're trying to trying to question a call. So I didn't turn around, but I said very loudly, I said, Now that one sounded high. <laughs> and I went to the bench <laughs> And everyone was laughing and I turned around and that umpire was not laughing. And so that proves without a doubt that umpires and referees are humorless because that was a great spoof. Years later, people were talking about that spoof. And then later I did ground weekly to second on one of his curveballs because he did throw me a curveball later and I was really proud that I put the bat on it. I pitched in the majors for like five or six years. He wasn't much good in the majors, but it, you know, major league stuff when you're 15 and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't really hit anyway.
0: This was I had no chance. This was before the era of him scheduling his Tommy John, right? So he didn't. It's a whole different ballgame now for pitchers. Literally, that's uh, well done. Mike
2: Campbell was the guy's name. Mike Campbell.
0: Mike Campbell. See if I can find his baseball reference page and put it in the show notes. I was,
2: I was, I mean, I was serious. It did kind of sound high to me. It was more by my, (laughs) by my ear than the last couple ones were. So, I mean, that came out of a honest place, but, and I didn't know how funny it was when it was coming out of my mouth, but when it, everyone seemed to find it very funny.
0: Wow. Seventh overall by the Mariners in the 85 major league baseball draft.
2: Yeah, big guy. Out of the University stuff. of
0: Hawaii, which is known for their baseball.
2: I mean, talk about it. That kid grows up in Bellevue and then goes to college in Hawaii and then plays in the majors. I mean, you've peaked pretty early when huh. when this happens for you.
0: Well, someday soon you'll be able to play baseball again, Mike.
2: <laughs> right? I, I might be able to coach it.
0: Yeah, there you go. We could can, can get you in some beer league softball. I mean, the Toyota sponsorship for the team would be amazing.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. I'll just hit the ball and then I get on my scooter and go to first.
0: (laughs) Uh, And you've got a couple of uh, succinct points here uh, going back to my, going back to Luke's experience with the officials that I think are salient.
1: Well, Luke talks so much about how, um, they didn't appreciate him busting in on them. He, he They didn't appreciate his, his joke and how he was just so uh, congenial and the guy who left was a jackass and none of it was his fault. And I thought to myself, two things can be simultaneously true here. The guy can be a dick <laughs> right. and Luke can be wrong. It's not yeah. one or the other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. are not mutually exclusive. Absolutely not. Um, and those are good things to remember anytime Luke has an interaction with the public. Um, one thing before we move on: a quote that made me cringe. I wrote it down word for word, and I think at oh, least God. I think we all just sort of paused when discussing this situation. Oh, because basketball was on TV at in the Alaska mm-hmm. Lounge at the sort of bar that they have. And so watching officials watch a basketball game is, you know, kind of a moment, an awkward moment. And, you know, people wanting to judge the officials while you're watching, you know, sports on TV. Andrew says, quote, it's like watching a Black Lives Matter parade with a bunch of cops. So just let that hang there.
1: We're calling them parades now. Is that what we're... Oh, yes. I, I went to the Black Lives Matter Parade. They were throwing candy. They had floats, marching bands. It was a great time. I had like 25, 25 black guys
2: got out of a little car. It was really great. <laughs>
0: Jeez, I have so many questions. What <laughs> kind of candy do you throw at a Black Lives Matter Parade? Um, does the marching band just play awesome funk music the whole time? Because that would actually be pretty great. Or is it more of like an R&B hip-hop situation? Um. I I would actually love to see a
1: Black Lives Matter parade.
0: In solidarity.
1: Oh, Andrew, read the tone, man. That was so inappropriate. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Uh,
0: so we get a conversation about Big Sean and how he just pops up in things you don't realize he would and that he is better than medium-sized Kevin. To only put in my notes because I liked the line medium-sized Kevin. Onto a conversation about presidential workouts. Um, interesting piece. We didn't get into it too much. Uh, Donald Trump is fat. We know that. I don't know that we need to discuss it. Um, something about horses. I missed the details there. And then I think the dazzling detail of the article is that uh, <laughs> Herbert Hoover's uh, doc doctor invented a game for him to keep him fit called Hoover Ball, which Mm-mm. sounds like a a porn
1: search term. I'm not searching it. Yeah.
2: The, uh, the thing about horses, I'm surprised we didn't get any throw your phones. I mean, Luke was anti-horse.
1: Oh, right. Riding. That's the whole thing about how horses probably don't like to be ridden that he's done before. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I This is not the time or the place to go into that. I don't have a hot take on whether or not horses like to be ridden.
2: I'm sure that once they get used to being ridden, some of them very much like to be Written, look but...
0: everybody's into something that's another porn search term so you know you can't be universal in your opinion about things like that there, there are always going to be exceptions uh the guys compare email frenzy sound effects because andrew had to rebuild one while luke was away um so that's a thing that happened in case you really like AC/DC. Uh, then we get some voicemails. Actually, we get one really important voicemail. We get a TNE, Katie O'Connell, the Chicago 10 in New York City, who has just encountered one Janine Garofalo and has gotten a picture of her with the phone showing the TBTL, thus, although not legitimately being entered into the TBTL challenge.
1: Yeah. I don't think it should count for the TBTL
0: challenge, but it was
2: cool. No.
0: I'm sure that Jamie Nettles agrees with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I it was one of the most charming moments probably the best one of the best voicemails someone has ever left as far as you know relevance to the show and heartwarming and like proving that a celebrity or whatever can be a, not a Pac-12 official in a, a human interaction yep. out in the world mm-hmm. so and it was also a good counterbalance to the Truly terrible Janine Garofalo story that came in during the Anniversary show. <laughs> when someone just mentioned having once seen Janine Garofalo.
0: <laughs> I just love um, how much effort listener Katie went to to explain to Janine Garofalo can I get a picture with you? And can we be holding up my phone or your phone, a phone, any phone? And could it have this on it? When we do this, I, I need your tacit endorsement of this podcast <laughs> because one of the co-hosts of it, uh, had a cutout of you from the movie poster for the truth about cats and dogs. I mean, how far Not do you weird. get to, how far do you could tell that explanation before Janine Garofalo could have just said, I got to catch my Uber, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later. Thanks for being a fan.
2: He used to sit in a seat he'd pulled out of his minivan and polish his knob to to you. Uh, your cutout picture on his oh, wall. Oh, Mike, I don't need that visual. Uh, Neither did Janine.
0: Everybody Neither just avoided the ketchup stains. Uh, so the picture is on the Stens page. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty great. And only... I think one person so far thinks in a conspiracy sort of way that it's not actually Janine Garofalo. The rest of us know it is. But hey, that one scientist who doesn't believe in global warming is out there too. So <laughs> we end with Andrew talking about Mr. Hennessy. This is my last note of the day anyway. Uh the vice principal at uh was this um the Jesuit school? Was this Walsh? Mm-hmm. I don't remember which oh St. Ignatius. Uh, and how this VP was sort of the beat cop of the school. He wouldn't necessarily bust you, but he'd keep a little leverage on you, keep an eye on you, you know. Once in a while, call in that favor for information on someone else. Uh, and the the note here was that detention was called "justice under God" or "jugs."
2: You, either of you, ever hear this before? No.
1: no.
2: I've, I I uh, got assigned Saturday jug, my first. Gosh, Um, my first Saturday at Catholic school as a senior, I had to do Saturday jug um, because I didn't comply with the, the clothing policy on my first day. They sent me home two or three times and I kept coming back in not inappropriate wear. So I got a Saturday jug for that. And then the first time I decided to just take a day off, which I used to do in public school, um, they I was back at school by nine thirty, ten 30, o'clock because they called my dad. He was on a business trip in Las Vegas. And they called him and he called me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing what I always do. I take a day off every couple weeks. You don't at this place. So I had to go into school and then I had to do another Saturday jug. And I didn't even know what it meant. I just knew it sucked. But now I know what it means. <laughs>
1: So, was this a Jesuit
2: school? Uh, No, just a straight-up Catholic school. Okay. um, My dad went to a Jesuit uh, college, but no, this Eastside Catholic is just straight-up Catholic.
1: So, we had speculation later in the week that maybe it was a Jesuit thing, but apparently not. Maybe it's just a Catholic thing.
2: Barb would know better than me on this. Well... Dr. Barb. Sorry, I didn't mean to shortchange her.
0: Get at us, Catholics. Those of you who aren't giving Agree. up podcasts for Lent, let us know if jugs is a universal thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I never... I thought
2: there was going to be a jug there or something that I was going to have to drop quarters into, you know. <laughs> I really did. I had no idea. didn't like a square jar
0: for school indiscretions.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's like, ah, God damn it! I was 10 minutes late. Here's a nickel. <laughs> Here's nickel, God.
0: We've spent a lot of time talking about Monday, but we can't move on in until your note here about why Andrew was sneaking off campus.
1: Yeah, when he and his friends would get questioned or get caught about sneaking off campus, they always said it was because they were going to meet girls, which knowing Mm -hmm. Andrew is the most ridiculous excuse ever created. Yeah. Right. That's why Mike was sneaking off
0: campus, not why Andrew was sneaking off campus.
2: <laughs> no, no, that was what the only reason I would go to school is because that's where they kept all the girls.
1: True. That's true. What girls was he going to meet if it wasn't the ones <laughs> at high school? I know. Come on. All those hot middle school girls.
0: Oh, let's yikes. <laughs> Despite taking light notes, we managed to stretch Monday quite nicely, so I'm gonna say that's yes, it. We did. All right. Didn't those hot
2: middle middle school girls have a float in the Black Lives Matter parade? <laughs> nothing
0: but trouble. This this parade is, be is nothing. Nothing but trouble. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: this parade is fraught.
1: <laughs> Tuesday, number twenty five eighty. Bazan gets it. They start the show, uh, sort of mm, lamenting that there are some drops that they can't use anymore because of uh, the. Me Too movement and the guys who've turned out to be creepers. And Andrew is sort of worried that there's a specific somebody that they play a lot of drops of who is going to be found out to be a harasser slash abuser of women. And he feels sad because then they're not going to be able to play those drops anymore. Um, Do we want to speculate about who we think it is? Because Christy had a fantastic guess.
2: I remember that. She should get credit for that. Slander
0: yep. time. We ought to do slander time on LRB.
1: I, well, that's why I ask. But um, uh, Fred Armisen's ex-wife has some things to say about his behavior. There. That's not slander. Yeah,
0: correct.
2: <laughs> I was thinking Kim Cattrall, but you know, <laughs> that's just me. I don't want to lose that one ever.
0: See, I, uh-uh. approached, I approached this thought from pure volume of drops and uh, – yeah. Well, not, not volume of drops, not like in mic volume, but like in quantity of drops. And um, I was worried that it was going to be an H. John Benjamin situation because that's Archer and Bob's Burgers gone.
1: Oh, yep. That would be and bad, that's too. Not to say,
0: I, know, I know nothing about H. John Benjamin. I don't even remember what they talked about when he came up on the show recently. <laughs> but, um, you know, his voice, there's a lot of those drops in the mix.
1: It would make a real hole in the drop palette if right. they we're forced to take him out of it. Well, I don't think it's going to be him, but yeah. what the hell do I know? Yeah. What the hell does any of us know?
2: Yeah. He seems nice. That's yeah. all we can say these days is, yep. is if, uh, if we want somebody to stay clean and we can keep their, keep their stuff going, like, he seems nice. I hope, <laughs> I hope he's nice.
1: Yep. Uh, so it is thrive time. My favorite time of the year at APM when Luke and Andrew have to fill out their, uh, self-evaluations. A little fun fact, I actually just did my thrive on that day before I turned the episode on and I was like, "Oh, hey, look at that. I did my thrive as well." Um, Luke confesses that he has never activated his APM email. In fact, he confessed this to Nate and said that he was willing to make the effort to start checking it, to show what a good employee and a team player he was. All right. And uh, Andrew got defensive when Nate asked him to start checking his official company email. And we got to throw your phone from Ellen. She's a little bit behind in her listing. So it came a few days late. She says, I know I must be the 1000th person to make this comment, but I'm behind thanks to a writing project and just got to hear Luke and Andrew talking about how crazy it is that their fucking boss wants them to check their fucking email. After last week's patriarchy debacle, I've now decided that male privilege is a myth, but entitled etiquette is all too real. Now, Ellen, I would not go deciding that male privilege is a myth. I don't think you want to go that far. Preach it, Ellen. (laughs) Myth. Myth. I don't know. This is... See, Andrew doesn't usually get in on the entitled etiquette. That's more a Luke thing. So I don't know what (laughs) this is. Who gets a job with an organization and then refuses to check their email? This is ridiculous to me.
2: I, I'm speechless. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, because it's not, it's not hard. We've all had work email. It's, you know, you're like, oh, shit, I got to check this. Yeah, just check a couple times a day. It takes mm-hmm. five seconds.
1: And it, it may be somewhat complicated because they have to VPN into APM or whatever, but they do that already to use the internal mm. computer systems. They would have to figure it out once and then it would be automatic. They could set it up to just go into it. It's not that hard, guys.
0: I'm sure that What's-Her-Name at CBS would be more than happy to show <laughs> Luke how to forward it to his yeah. TPTL email account. Chrissy. Blanche what was it chrissy chrissy at tbs would be all over this
2: just get buy her a pack of cigarettes you know she's good she'll sit there with you
1: this is not an insurmountable problem and to act like you're doing such a favor that you will condescend to actually check your email all right that's fine uh we go to talk about palm springs and luke's vacation and how he was obsessed with getting the best pool chairs this is i his super maximizer thing always having to have the best of everything where he threw off his sleep patterns because eventually he started getting up earlier and earlier and earlier so that he could get to the pool when it was empty and uh, flag the best chairs for him and carrie i guess i understand wanting to get i mean that's how i like to go to the movie theaters get there early and pick out mm-hmm. the seat that I want, but I don't go at 6.30 in the morning mm. to do it.
2: Imagine if someone did that for you, though, Anne, and then you could just stroll out, you know, like, this is great for Carrie because she could, oh, it's 10.30, it's finally, you know, warm enough, it's nice, I'm going to go out and I've got the premier spot because my, my super possessor husband has been out here since 6.
1: So are you casting this as a a a good marital technique luke is actually being a great husband by doing this well i think it's uh the
2: effect you know i'm i'm the final result is that he comes off well i think he's going to do it anyway whether he was alone or with carrie but Mm -hmm. you know if i were him i would say there you go darling and just take credit for it i want to make sure you had the best seat by the pool
1: (laughs) very slick um he says that The last day of vacation never actually feels like vacation. Vacation is vacation only if you have another day to enjoy it. I guess I see where he's coming from. The last day of vacation does feel very different from Mm. the rest of it, but I don't know. But Luke says he coped with this loss of vacation feeling by um, staying on his cheat week after he got home. So he's been been straight grubbing, as Phyllis would say, (laughs) over the whole week.
2: He also took another day off TVTO.
1: <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs>
2: that buffered him in there.
1: Yeah, I can't figure out how that exactly all worked within the context of this story. So was Friday mm-hmm. the day that he was sad because he had to go? Or was Thursday the day that he was sad because he had to go? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But anyway. And
2: don't ask a Pac-10, Pac-12 ref because they're no, not opening no. their lips on this. Thing they do anymore. not
1: have a sense of humor about it at all.
2: They're not going to talk to you about it.
1: Uh, As far as his cheat week go, he starts talking about Cadbury mini eggs. And we had a number of disbelieving comments from people who were like, how can they not know what Cadbury mini eggs are? Seriously? And uh, Luke was talking about how Carrie loves them. So he had to order a six pound bag of them on Amazon because he can't find them anywhere there. I'm like, really? Is there a mini egg shortage Bartels. in the Pacific Northwest? Because they are in every grocery store, every drugstore, every gas station around here. You I mean, you yeah. can't walk 10 feet without falling over a bag of mini eggs.
2: As soon as the Christmas stuff is over, it's like one of the most hectic times for Bartel managers like my brother is is when you're transitioning to the new holiday and that happened a while ago Yep, at Bartels. I guarantee you those mini eggs were in abundance
1: you gotta get those end caps flipped pronto
2: yeah you do you do it's otherwise it's embarrassing your boss comes and you, you know it's the day after Christmas and you still have a Santa thing somewhere
1: <laughs> oh no, no. uh uh-uh. uh 70% on that off Valentine's
2: Day and Easter stuff <laughs> you're right <laughs>
1: right so the upshot of him ordering a six-pound bag of Cadbury mini eggs is that he, quote, did some damage on them, that he's just been laying around eating mini eggs. Uh, I would say that Cadbury mini eggs are my number one favorite cheap chocolate. I think they're better than M&M's. I I have mm. two things that I cannot control myself around. One is Cadbury mini eggs. The other is Oreos, especially double stuff. Um, uh, Oreos, I know I'm the outlier with this, but...
0: I like chocolate cookies. And I love Oreo stuff, so like I like cookies and cream ice cream, um Oreo milkshakes, classic uh classic early Applebee's thing for me in high school would have been the uh, Oreo milkshake. But actual Oreo cookies just don't They don't do I saw it them
2: in the Black Lives Matter parade last year, the Oreo milkshakes. <laughs> They're playing on top of a Doctor Trailer, it was pretty great. It
1: was a dance team, right? The Oreo milkshakes.
2: Yeah, they have a dance team behind them Yeah, I've got a drum major. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Uh, well, the Easter Bunny, um, Cadbury Mini Egg Fairy arrived early this year because I did express my my love for the Mini Egg on Facebook, and lo and behold. Was it yesterday or the day before uh, Amazon left a package that had a bag of six pounds of Cadbury mini eggs <laughs> Wow
2: <laughs> so just just go ahead and put three of the, three pounds each on on each of my hips and call it a day.
1: I am employing a semi successful strategy of i 'm allowed to eat the broken ones and I have to bake oh. with. All the other that. ones. So yesterday I made a batch of Cadbury mini egg blondies that was suggested by Christy. And I think mm-hmm. I'm going to make another one today. And so that's four cups right there of mini eggs that I've, I've gotten rid of. I'm like torn between being absolutely delighted and simultaneously horrified that I have all these mini eggs in the house.
2: <laughs> like, it, like if you died and somebody came in and, and they're like, Jesus Christ, we didn't know she had such a problem with this.
1: So uh, whoever was the mini egg fairy, and I don't know who it was, uh, you're my favorite. Thank you very much. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember, for... I
0: sent you, I also sent you, Anne, a scone recipe. That's true. That, mm. that I swear by for mini eggs. I've been using it for years, every Easter time. Uh, and Mike?
2: I would hate to be the mini egg that ended up in a scone
0: they are the least Come on now. They're the least brick-like scones I've ever made.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, the best quarterback in Japan. So.
1: <laughs> the trick to making a, a nice soft scone is butter, man. That's why commercial scones suck because they just use whatever weird hydrogenated vegetable fat mm. and not real butter. Get the butter in there, man. It can be good. I know you'll never believe me. That's Mm, pop culture challenge. <laughs> Mike oh, you got to
2: you got to get them when they're right out of the oven and you got to get clotted cream and strawberries. Well, if they were any good, you wouldn't need all this bullshit around them.
0: Uh, all Aunt, right. can we get a picture of your bounty for um the show picture today? Well, I already used a third of them, but sure. You didn't take a picture right away. The broken out of
2: them. ones are already gone.
1: Well, oh, and- I did. I did.
0: That's right. I did take a picture. And the blondies, I mean that would also be appropriate
1: oh but there's already we one do love bond. when we use
0: pictures of your <laughs> well you are you gonna make more today after this is done yes
1: yes okay good
0: so good. fresh batch of blondies with some with some mini eggs you know decoratively in a bowl or something next to it. i mean create the scene for us not oh, to no, make any I'm, extra I'm... work for you mm-hmm. but please tablescape an entire thing and then take a picture
1: i'm a terrible photographer you'll you'll take what you get <laughs> Let's move away from Cadbury Mini Eggs and talk about the Windsor Hum, uh, which is a thing that people don't know where it comes from in Windsor, Ontario. That's Ontario, right? That's right across the river from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the theories are that it may be a blast furnace operation on Zoog Island, which is a manufacturing district right there on the river, and that some brilliant person says all they need is to introduce more sound to the landscape to cover it so that nobody will hear (coughs) the hum sure
2: sure arm the teachers yep mm -hmm. more more guns is less violence more (laughs) noise is less noise right
1: right exactly that's the theory um and and that's all of that topic i perhaps they (laughs) talked about it for a long time but i sure didn't write anything down And they move on Mm -hmm. to the the idea that airlines are padding their flight schedules to artificially affect their on-time arrival ratings. To which I say, no shit, Sherlock. Is this just now striking people?
2: Yeah, (laughs) right.
1: I I haven't been on a flight that's arrived late in years. And I know it's not because the air traffic is smoother or less congested or anything of course they're padding their flight times but at least you know up
2: front and you can you more or less trust trust the numbers you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you know you know okay now it takes five hours instead of four and a half but this is a realistic timeline i'm probably going to arrive around this time so if someone's picking me up i'm not like you know it's not a guess anymore i'll be roll i'll be you know I'll be rolling my suitcase through the airport 10 minutes right. after this arrival time. That's
0: the, that's the Buffalo math, by the way. Uh, the The landing time that they give is the time I can be at the curb with my suitcase because it's a 57-minute mm-hmm. flight or something, and they give it like an hour and 40 minutes on the itinerary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Luke complains that padding the flight time just means that if you get in earlier, you sit on the tarmac longer while you wait for the arrival gate to be prepared. I don't know. I feel like I don't sit any longer than I used to, but that could be true. They spend a little bit of time trying to figure out exactly uh, what goes into flight calculation times. And I think it's um, parking brake to parking break. So when the pilot takes off the parking brake, to when the pilot puts on the parking brake is what they count for for flight times but i don't know for sure will would know
0: yeah will get at us thanks
1: and the last thing on the show for tuesday is a shout out to sam from carlos i know that we're having some debate about whether shout outs are a good idea on the program. We know Sam, I love Sam. Sam is one of my Facebook friends and she listens to LRB and I love that she unironically loves unicorns. She, it's not a bacon pirate mustache ninja kind of thing. She really loves unicorns and she forgives Bobby for saying that um Canadians don't understand sarcasm. Well, she and just didn't I- get it. <laughs> <laughs> right? And she and Carlos are very sweet together. And so I was really pleased as punch that he gave a shout out to her. But of course, it's because I know them. So I care about them. Andrew Mm -hmm. mentioned that he, quote, got a lot of flack, unquote, about Facebook begging them not to do shout outs. And um, I have stepped away from the Stens page because of that particular exchange, because of the one person who very innocently and sincerely said Andrew please 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 don't do shout outs and then he came in and was an asshole to the point where she deleted the post and apologized and I felt bad for her and I said no this is not healthy for me and I need to not be on the stents page if this is what's going to go on so have fun guys I'm sure the shout out thing is going to work out great and that's Tuesday
2: Mm -hmm. okay Wednesday, 2581, Blow That Horn, Stan Falcon gets. There, uh, Andrew's forced to apologize for telling Luke that he didn't know um, the song that they were playing the other day. It was uh, a Solange um, uh, version of a Dirty Projector song. So Andrew's embarrassed. Luke is magnanimous about it. Uh, there's a text from Chris Hayes about it. And then they get off into a David Fulkin Jones riff which um which some of it worked and, and some of it didn't. There was a lot of shouting and <laughs> I can't throw any stones this week because because <laughs> I did shout on the show the other day. But um but Luke did a couple nice nice riffs on it. You have to have seen Alex Jones to really get it. And uh, I don't recommend that for anyone. So don't go back and look at any Alex Jones just in the service of oh god, no. finding out if Luke's yeah, it's not joke worth it. is funny. It's really a consolation yeah, prize could...
0: in your life if you're familiar with Alex Jones. At least you have this joy.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know you can you can enjoy um, you enjoy Luke's mocking of Alex Jones. Uh Carrie texts from uh, down the hall. She's very concerned about Luke because of all the screaming. <laughs> um. He reassures her everything's okay. He's just doing David Fulkin Jones during the donor of the day. There's of course an Alex Jones tangent and also a tangent about the nineteen eighty five n b a draft which I need to clear up uh right here i i actually this is probably one of the few conspiracy theories that I believe I believe that that uh that draft was rigged so that the New York Knicks could get Patrick Ewing. And there is convincing evidence in a video and it's not the frozen envelope theory. There's a there's a bent corner. You can see the person from I think it's Price Waterhouse, who had partial ownership of the Knicks at the time. So it's questionable why they were handling security around the draft. Um the Price Waterhouse official bending the corner of the Knicks envelope before he put it in the drum and then the very nervous commissioner feeling around in the barrel for the burnt corner, the bent corner, sorry, Mm. and pulling that one out. So, um, I'll post that video under the show um, post and uh, you, you decide right here's where you put in the X-Files. Got it. All right. Um, Luke and Andrew both have hearing loss from both being in broadcasting and also Andrew just blasting music in his ears as, as uh, loudly as he could when he was a kid I wasn't one of those kids I always thought it was like are you trying to share your music by you know because I don't need it that loud am I trying to make you listen to it by putting it that loud either one of you have headphone blaster Mm-mm.
0: no quite the opposite I try to keep my earbuds or headphones at a low volume so that I can appreciate it but so that people can't hear what I'm listening to because I don't want any questions about it
2: Right. Right. Don't don't want to have to go all I'm not getting into this and storm out and talk about presidents day. <laughs> um, top story. Uh there's a, a Sky jinx. The the headline is that they had to land the plane because of some bad farting. Uh and that's that probably wasn't the case. It was a fight fight over farting is more likely and andrew tells a story from a friend who um pooped himself on a plane which that i just feel bad i think the person may be a complete asshole but i i wouldn't wish that on him cuz that's uh, nobody should have to go through that and no and their their seatmate shouldn't have to go through that yeah
0: nobody wins there's no scenario where that is a funny cupuppance for someone and no one else suffers that there's right. just no if way it that's happens, a victimless.
2: you know, that's, yeah. If I hate you, I hope it happens to you, but like at home, you know, so you have to clean it up.
0: In, in your car alone, in your very nice car alone, <laughs> right. sure. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that
2: one. I like that one. Um, all right. Another top story. Drinking and exercise are the keys to extending your life into your 90s or your chances of it. Um, what, what I, I don't know. I just have a problem with the semantics here because Luke says it's it's healthy to have a couple pops a day, but what he's really saying is is beer and wine. And I, when I, when you say pops, I'm imagining you go home and you just line up a couple, you know, whiskeys neat and you just take them down. That's a couple pops. Yeah. Hardly anybody who lives in their nineties, I think, is doing that. <laughs> I think they're having that beer or wine, maybe. And 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 I and I you you can weigh on this. It sort of I thought they were talking some sense when they talked about how that's sort of a self-selecting group. In that if if you're of a certain age and you're still healthy enough to be like you know active and doing stuff for yourself, you know stands to reason that that you I, I don't know. I thought they made some sense scientifically wise. Doubting the doubting this study a little bit
1: yeah well i mean we'd have to read the actual study to see what they did a lot of Mm -hmm. health and exercise and diet research as meredith is talking about has talked about on the show before is is kind of crap because it's so Mm -hmm. hard to be able to tell anything for sure which is why we're always changing our minds about whether eggs are good for you and how much you should right. drink, and eggs, it doesn't, wine,
2: coffee, blah blah. Right,
1: and it doesn't help that journalists get excited and don't understand the very specific con- conditions under which the research was done. I mean, the only thing—hey, our readers eat eggs and drink wine. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about it. The only thing that Luke said that uh, I remembered was that there was a, it was a decent sample size. It was a big enough group of people to where I mean, it, it wasn't a Uh, study of 20 old people that they drew these conclusions Mm -hmm. was, I think they said 1,700. So that's enough people to actually get some decent responses. But I have absolutely no idea about what the conditions and what kind of factors they excluded. And so uh, maybe it's horseshit and maybe it's not. We'd have to actually see what's going on before you would Mm -hmm. know that. I mean, I spent most of this time sort of puzzling over it. Whether they actually don't know the word nonagenarians because they had so much trouble, I know with it I nonagenarians. Know. Luke kept saying, "I was like, yeah, octogenarians, septuagenarians. We really have to look this up." Maybe it could be the name of a new cult
2: that doesn't believe they're aging. <laughs> We're the nonagenarians. Mm-hmm. Join our cult. All right, have a couple pops. You'll never age. Um they They talk about how Andrew, according to the uh b m i chart is obese and Luke is still overweight um i don't know I would say i mean th- those that card and those weights they always put someone at least one more category away from fit than mm-hmm. I feel that they look or or are or i've ever felt
1: so, i I went and looked up the bmi chart whatever luke said his was between 24 and 25 and that's exactly the borderline between fit and overweight so mm-hmm. i think it's questionable whether he should be in the overweight category but anyway they're just medical descriptor- descriptors on the bmi i mean we hear obese and we're like oh crap but i it doesn't mean the same thing that we use it for in casual conversations so right. it's really confusing
0: when we think obese mm-hmm. in a casual term, we think of that embarrassing B-roll that local news stations use whenever there's a diet story of people from hips down walking through the mall.
1: Right. right. With right. an ice cream the cone or whatever.
0: Right. <laughs> um, right. And not the medical terminology. I There's a throw your phone on Friday that I think was actually meant for Wednesday in our notes from Amy. And I'm not going to read the whole thing other than to say that Amy is, you know, studying to be a nurse and understands that b m i has a lot of extenuating factors that can make it a bullshit measure, and that's mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind is that you know the on paper readings of something like this leave a lot of variables out that that don't don't necessarily mean anything or could change it significantly
2: yeah and i I think we've learned through this show that muscle does weigh more than fat <laughs> so you need to factor that in. Whenever you look at those charts. Well played. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to skip over the rest of the weight stuff. Uh, voicemail. Listener Jake um, is quitting the show. And Andrew teased it pretty nicely. And it gave Luke a chance to, to say that uh, that's okay. He doesn't mind. Things don't have to be perfect. And he doesn't mind if people quit the show. But then it, the reveal is he's just giving it up for Lent as a pure sacrifice because he loves uh, podcasts. I don't know. I mean, I think if 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 you give this up for Lent or sympathy Lent or you know whatever, um, whatever they call it when you're when you're not not religious, are you allowed to catch up when it's over? I don't think you should be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because otherwise, the whole time you're just going, "Huh, I've, I'm going to hear it all."
0: Ah, the Burbank you technique. <laughs> yeah. just going to black out on too much TVTL on Easter Day.
1: Well, I liked what Luke said he made the comment that he is quote barely drinking unquote for Lent I'm like what does that mean (laughs) Uh, yeah probably just
2: none of his behavior is going to change during Lent
0: I'm feeling moderately guilty for my sins this Lent
1: (laughs) is it like the time that Sean quit drinking but so he only had six or seven Jamesons before he went out (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. yeah i'm gonna give up paying for drinks for lent
2: oh that's a good one <laughs> if because i hate paying if, for exactly
0: drinks. right if it's home it's fair game we already own it so i'm just gonna right. not buy drinks while we're out
2: sure <laughs> and then everyone's like hey, what's wrong bobby i don't know here's a drink all right i'll take it yeah. um let's see uh Luke tells some of his Easter binge stories. That's a ter- such a terrible idea to just yep. jump back off that wagon so hard. <clears throat> That's why those kind of those kind of things I think are pretty stupid. The Lent deals. Uh, there's an email from Andrea about pronunciation of crepes. I mean, uh, Americans we say crepes. I think crepes is all right to say. It only takes a second, and it's not like saying "fruity tootie, fresh" and "fruity," you know, or "poor boy," you know. It's like (laughs) you can pull off the crepes. It's close enough. What do you all think? That's fine. Yeah, it's very close.
1: Mm -hmm. In in America, sometimes you just have to use the Americanized pronunciation. The one I'm
2: fine either way, but I wouldn't be embarrassed for crepes.
1: The one that always drove me crazy is that my parents for years and years and years, instead of saying Ikea said Ikea because it is a Swedish oh, company no. and the actual pronunciation in Scandinavia is Ikea. And we lived in Europe where they had Ikea long before it came to the United States. And so they insisted on saying Ikea for so long. I was like, mom and dad, just say it normal. <laughs> You're
2: embarrassing
1: me. <laughs> Come on,
0: I, you know, being, you know, half Canadian sort of having that Canadian influence in life life. Um I always pronounce center, center, but I'm spelling it with an R E in my head when I say that. Yes, it. of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I always find those spellings classy. The extra U in favor and stuff like that. Harbor. The, sorry, extra, the only U in favor. <clears throat> um the the Andrew talks about the word forte or fort. I would just say because Forte is wrong because fort sounds stupid. <laughs> Just find another way to say strength.
0: Like strength.
1: Well. Yes. And this is incorrect anyway. This whole it is? forte is incorrect in fort. Yes, because if you go to any dictionary online, they almost always have both pronunciations, and sometimes they have both pronouncers on there. It's, it's pronounced fine. pronounced
2: Worcester. <laughs> Worcester.
1: <laughs> and if you're talking music... Of course, it's forte every time. I just, oh, yes. I think this is a manufactured controversy because, as Jane Strauss, the grammar lady, would say, either way is okay.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: Do we know if she was straight or gay or just either way? <laughs> <It's okay.
1: laughs> Let's go to Thursday, number 2582. R-E-M-G-M-T. I actually was not listening when they came up with the joke for that. Show title, so I don't care. Uh, Luke starts the story talking up, or Luke starts the show talking about the story out of the Atlantic about a guy who had some level of legal training who was such a pain in the ass that he actually drove his roommates out of their shared house and took over. And he didn't do it, uh, because he actually had a problem with what they were doing, but he did it because he enjoyed the tension and probably because he enjoyed winning, I would say. And so they Mm go through this whole story of this guy because Luke is fascinated. And I say it sounds like somebody who's got some mental illness, someone who's real smart uh, and also doesn't know how to live in society and is an asshole with mental illness. So there we go.
2: I really felt bad when I heard that he killed himself because I was hoping that one of these roommates had actually strangled the life out of him.
1: Yeah, that's not one where I would even want to fight that. When somebody reveals themselves to be completely unmanageable and uninterested in not making my life miserable, I'd be out of there. It's it's not even worth it. You got to get out of there.
2: Nope. It's like when the electrician says, you should see. You should see what's behind these walls. <laughs> I'm not spending another night there.
1: Nope. Uh They go on to talk. I don't even remember how they got there, which is a phrase I say quite often for DBTL about uh, a show that Andrew worked on developing at New Hampshire Public Radio where they wanted to mix talk and music rather than just a talk show or just a music show. Um, and... Luke says that trying to have a switch between, I don't know, formats, a music format and a talking format makes it hard to uh, retain uh, an audience that prefers either one of those. It's just not enough to keep either type of of audience uh, tuned to the dial. And Andrew says, yeah, but that's what Kevin and Bean do. That's a combination talk show, music show. How do they do that? And I, I was sitting there thinking to myself, personality, man. It is personality for them. Mm-hmm. And luckily, they actually address that a little bit later on. They, um, they talk about public radio, and the problem with public radio is that it is traditionally content-driven, not personality-driven. That the personality does not matter as far as public radio people are concerned. It's all about the, the content. But Luke, in his true quixotic fashion, is trying to move Live Wire to be more personality-driven, So away from the model that public radio stations approve of. I don't necessarily think that it's the wrong decision, but I think it's a tricky line for him to walk to do that. If it's stated and known that that's not what public radio program directors like, that he is pushing this, I wish him luck. Uh, Let's see. Andrew wants a morning talk show called How'd You Sleep?, where they talk about their dreams, and that is no. a show I would never listen to.
2: Never. Not once. Mm-hmm. Nope. I might tune in for the shout-out segment, but I mean, the dream <laughs> part of it, nah, <laughs> not for me.
1: Um, continuing... People's birthdays,
2: I want to know what the birthdays are.
1: Right. Yep. And especially the birthdays of famous people, that's what I want to mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I, I want to know if it's Scarlett Johansson's birthday, because I'm going to plan my whole day around that. And they continue on with radio talk. I get really tired of when they go into this extended shop talk, this radio industry talk, but maybe everybody else likes it. I don't know. And Andrew was in the sports bullpen or whatever they call it at Cairo. And he saw a bunch of um, posters, guideline posters about how to program the shows properly or how to produce shows Properly there with a a lot of tips that he wants to share with Luke, including stars lead, you want to talk about the famous people, not obscure people, you want to have strong feelings, you want to play the hits, you also want to get to the point, you want to keep it moving, and you want to practice clock integrity, make sure you are ready for those news breaks. And Luke says that eh, we could try to do these for TBTL, but it would make the show worse. And I 100% disagree with that. I don't think they should be going for a, uh, a talk radio model, but I think a little bit, a touch of these elements could really improve TBTL a lot.
2: Think about your P2s. Just <laughs> for a
1: second. <laughs> Just for a second.
2: When, you, when you're when you saying, by the way,
1: for the fifth time in five minutes, right? just k- keep that P2 in mind. I think that they've proved that the P1s will stick through anything because yep. we are apparently clots for punishment. You've got to go for the P2s now. and You need to change your approach a little bit for them.
0: This is a talk <laughs> that could also be directed at the
1: Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm.
0: P2s. P2s.
1: Top story for the day is this freestyle skier, Elizabeth Swaney, who got into the Olympics basically on a technicality. She just went around to all the different meets and collected enough participation points that she qualified for the Olympics, even though she is, well, she's a better skier than I'll ever be. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Right. Me too. Me too. I mean, she got about six inches of air off the top of the half pipe. (laughs) And I'm i'm never even going to make an attempt at that so there we go apparently she tried a bunch of different um avenues to get into the olympics including the skeleton competition where she was going to represent venezuela but she finally made it representing hungary and her only goal was to not fall down and she didn't fall down so there you go and some publications like deadspin have it out for her but luke really respects her hustle
2: I think there should be, with every competition in the Olympics, they have the podium, the one, two, three, and then they should have something that's kind of dug into the ground, you know, just a foot <laughs> lower than the actual ground, and then they get like a participation. And it's for the person that finished last. And they get a little participation ribbon. Oh,
1: that's really nice of you.
2: Yeah, and she would get that. and She'd get to put that up and all the money her and her family spent flying Mm -hmm. her all over the world all these wonderful resorts they can get a ribbon
1: right well this is clearly another person who's off kilter in a less harmful way than the guy who drove his roommates out but she's she's got some some things going on inside her that she's working through um and i i don't remember exactly how much they talked about it but it's on the Skiing Federation, whatever it's called, to change their rules if they don't want her to be able to mm-hmm. sneak her way into the Olympics through a loophole. Close that loophole and you're not going to have a problem. I'm with Luke. I have no problem with her going through the system and getting into the Olympics. It's <laughs> fairly cool. Yeah. They they do, they do
2: need to change the rules. Uh, I do have some, you know, just a little bit of bad feeling, though, because... There's some skier somewhere in the world watching these Olympics, who is just way better and just because of the rules didn't get in. Right, because they know?
1: tried a big trick and fell flat on their face. Mm-hmm. They didn't get in. Yeah. I suppose so.
2: And she's in there just just skiing down the hill at two miles an hour, and that's kind of, gonna <laughs> kind of rankle. Maybe probably more than one person there. Probably plenty of skiers just on the just on the edge outside, looking into that competition, going. I hate that girl and I just hate her ass face. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of hating people's ass faces, Luke says that he resents and dislikes people who are not only privileged monetarily, but who also end up being athletically gifted. Also, this comes from the whole idea that winter sports are expensive and so it it bars a whole category, several categories of people from being able to attend. So you're going to uh, resent the people who have money to actually get into it. But then that they're the rich, preppy, and they're really good, that is unsustainable mm-hmm. as far as he's concerned. <laughs> well, the thing that I think is kind of funny about
2: the Winter Olympics is, you know, the staple of at least the, the U.S. coverage, not so much the... CBC, but the staple of the U.S. coverage is the hard luck story, mm-hmm. and they have to search pretty far and wide in some of these winter sports to find a hard luck story. It's usually more like a cancer, family cancer story right. or something like that. It's or not, a terrible it's not injury. Like born, born without nothing, you know, that you get with the Summer Olympics. It's just a way easier rags to riches thing in the summer. Yeah, in, in, in winter, we're just, we're overcoming uh, I don't know, having to wear too, too tight school uniforms at your private school, and you got <laughs> laughed at.
1: It's a hard life, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and emails for the day. Uh, this one is actually a Facebook comment that Andrew found. Oh, guys, on the Stens page, I mean, I don't care anymore because I'm off of it, but you don't have to tag Andrew because he's going to find your comment. He is all over the Stens page from the the content that he brings up on the show. He is combing through those posts. Mm-hmm. And this is an example of that uh, where Dave talking about the concept of secular Lent, he said just to be an asshole, he decided to take up all the things that his friends gave up for Lent. So mm. If they were not drinking, he was drinking more. If they gave up podcasts, he was listening to all the podcasts, which I thought was pretty funny. none of my
2: friends gave up smoking, if that was my plan, because I (laughs) definitely don't want to smoke. God damn it. Do you have to give up smoking? This is so gross. (laughs)
1: Um, We get a voicemail from Allison back on the subject of jugs and how in her Jesuit high school, she got a jug for eating a bagel in the hall. That is Catholic discipline right there.
2: Well, and... that's a Jewish food, so.
1: <laughs> My
0: favorite part of that was the thought of a cartoon drawing where she swallows the whole bagel and her neck is the
1: shape of the bagel.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. A <laughs> bagel.
1: And uh, finally, we got an email from Anonymous, who is a D2 basketball ref and thus wants to remain anonymous, about how, uh, as an official, they try to keep a low profile off of the court just so that they don't have to engage with fans on all the things that we talked about earlier. We got to throw your phone on this from Carolyn. Uh, When Andrew was reading the email from the referee to Luke listing several valid examples of why the referees in the Alaska Await Lounge wouldn't engage him, This is another example of Luke being too Luke, and his defense that most sports fans don't remember officiating makes me think he's not much of a sports fan. I live in Steelers country, and people here still complain about bad officiating at the last Super Bowl, and my brother is such a sports fan he can complain about it from the games that happened before he was born. Uh, Yes, if Luke's trying to take the tack that sports fans don't remember bad calls— he is making an argument that he cannot win because I'm not even a sports True. fan. And I know that y'all are crazy about that stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've said it here before, but Brett Hull is a cheater. <laughs> Cost the Sabres a shot at a Stanley Cup.
1: Anyway, and sorry, Ann. Not that you're holding a grudge about that. Please and proceed. Luke says... Luke says he thinks that refs want to please the home crowd. I guess maybe that was what we were saying earlier about appearance of bias, but there might actually be bias because you can't help it when you are in someone's territory to make them try to like you. I don't know if that's true because I've never done any refing, but maybe.
2: It's part of um, home field or home court advantage Mm -hmm. for the home team. It's just human nature to... You know, not want to displease 15, 20, or 60,000 people. I mean, most of the time they get it right, but I think what the the emailer felt it was an attack, you know, that it was an attack on the integrity of the refs. I, nobody is trying to say that they don't want to call a perfectly fair game. What Luke's question was, and it's <clears throat> legitimate, and I think it does probably bear out, there is some some bias, unconscious bias. You know that you wouldn't get if the teams were playing on a neutral field. Yep. So, um, but it was a good email, and uh, it was, and I'm 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 glad she wrote in. It. it was a the the referee was a woman, right?
1: <laughs> I believe so. Yep. But okay. Luke is still digging the hole on this a little bit because he does refuse to concede that maybe he should not have approached those referees oh, right. in the Alaska Lounge. Yeah. So he's he's going to stick to his guns on that one.
2: I think he's on an island there. So Mm -hmm. um, Friday, 2583, a mohawk of bosses. Right up front, uh, Luke's talking about the live wire that he just done the previous night. And Andrew has a question about the schedule and the seasons. And uh, Luke says those are secret because they don't want people to know how many um, reruns they're getting. Because, you know, these weekend NPR shows... It pro you know I could go out in the car right now and whatever I hear will be new to me. Um, so, so I think they've got to they're onto something there. Not announcing, well, we just gave you a bunch of stupid reruns. Now we're back <laughs> mm-hmm. live. You know, people don't want to feel tricked or whatever. Nah, this American so Life just not talking about it. I think it's a good test. This
0: American Life rotates an old one in. I don't know, once yep. a month at least. And I only know that because it's in my feed. And if the numbers don't line up, I usually just kill the old one unless. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it sounds like one I want to listen to again.
2: Yeah, and there's usually a good reason for them going back to whatever it is. You know, it's it, it relates to something that's going on today, or it was so good and so long ago that we're not going to remember much of it anyway. So if it was good radio then, it's good radio now. Mm-hmm. So I think he's on to something with that. They start talking about ranking bosses. There aren't that many bosses, so it doesn't last Just long. Just so
0: that we'll gain a listener to this episode... I still have the the autobiography of Bosworth that Mike McCauley stole from the Hotel Deca. I think that's what it was called in Seattle mm-hmm. and signed and made me take with me. Uh, so now that I've mentioned Mike McCauley, he'll listen to this episode. Hi, Mike.
2: Did he sign it as Mike Macaulay or as Brian Bosworth? I don't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. and it's in a box somewhere so the only reason I've kept it this long is it's a hardcover book and I thought it would be a good one to cut the middle out of and hide like a flask in and I just haven't
2: <laughs> Oh right. there's no way anybody's ever interested in anything yeah. he's ever said in his life alright Luke has a uh, little Luke nephew very very small nephew who he's trying to indoctrinate into his entitled etiquette in some ways um Breaking news, uh, Luke plays a sounder, and the breaking news is that uh, there's a waiter in a picture in his hotel in Portland um, of Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman in a, um, in a motion picture. They're sitting in a cafe, and Fred Savage is, looks like, at least, a waiter in the background. And I did, I did isolate that. And I zoomed in on it. It Really does look like Fred Savage. People, a lot of people are saying
1: it looks like Luke. I don't think, I don't think it looks like. Luke. I don't no, know. No, it looks like Fred Savage.
2: Yeah, it looks like Fred mm-hmm. Savage. <laughs> that was a good call by Luke. And anytime, anytime these guys like put any, you know, they, they talk about how somebody looks like someone. They almost always say, "Oh, well, it also looks like Andrew," or "also looks like Luke." Just because you're listening to Luke talk when he's making the comparison, doesn't make the guy's face look like Luke. So I don't know. I don't know why that is, but they, they do. And it, it it totally looks like Fred Savage.
1: You just seeing Jesus in the toast, man. Yeah. So they
2: were, so they're talking about, um, how, I don't know how it came up, but how none of us would really be doing well in olden, olden times. You know, we watch movies and we're like, I couldn't do all that. I, you know, that's hard work. I, uh, I need my cell phone. I need to play Candy Crush or whatever. Andrew envisions a lot of poo buckets. As he said he would either be emptying poo buckets in the street or having poo buckets thrown on him in the street. <laughs> I'm
0: not, Can't argue with that. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's wrong.
2: Right. Not with that hair that he had. <laughs> I wasn't even a bully, and I would have filled up a poo bucket and gone looking for him. Um... The new segments on LiveWire are discussed. There's something about a jar of questions, uh, which Andrew seems to think he invented. Question, question of the day is now the jar of questions on LiveWire. And new interesting friends, which I thought is a good episode, because I think what Luke is trying to get at is um, he's trying to buck against the really famous bookings. Right. And have that be why the show is good or succeeding. He wants to make good radio and have that be the reason it succeeds. And it's a, it's a, it's a noble idea.
1: Right. And I, I would guess works. that their downloads, I mean, looking at the podcast version of it that their downloads go way up or way down depending specifically on who the guest star is because i know that i'm that way with live wire if i see someone that looks really interesting i'll be like oh yeah but otherwise i might skip it so he's trying to build a a steadier model where people will tune in just because they always tune in
2: yeah and and also if you start to trust a show that you trust their judgment and that that they have an, an interesting guest or collection of guests every week, you stop looking at who anymore and you just listen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing to try. Uh, during the dazzling donors, Luke talks about how he's watching Top Chef a lot again and he's really psyched for someone. In a show that he watched uh, that was from Philadelphia that won Super Bowl tickets, but the show was obviously filmed before they would know Philadelphia was even going to be very good this year, much less go to the Super Bowl, so Luke's excited for the guy's future. I can see that. That's the kind of dumb stuff I think about, too, when I'm watching dumb television, because there's not enough going on on the dumb television to keep your mind completely engaged, so you have to have your own dumb thoughts, and that's definitely a dumb thought that I would have had as well top story flaming hot cheetos turns out it was a bootstrapper it was a child of an immigrant who came up with um the uh flaming hot cheetos recipe by taking home some f- some cheetos that hadn't been properly flavor blasted at the at the plant and uh, you know fixed them up like mexican corn is kind of what what the, what he was saying and and now he's uh, a Famous uh, executive in the company and goes around and does talks. It was a good, good story. I, I'd read that story before I heard them talk about it, but that's um, it's fabulous. There's no downside in that story. Yeah. I Mm-mm. hope he learned how to read, though.
0: Except for not getting his hope private island.
2: Right, right. Everybody who invents a product that elementary kids love, you should get a private island. <laughs> Andrew is mad at his cats, Theo mostly, even though I... Because I wasn't listening on earbuds or whatever, I couldn't hear any of the what was going on No, uh-uh. with the cats. But I was glad when I watched the Hey Dummies video later when he was being really sweet to Theo because he sounded pretty mad during this show and I didn't want him to take it out on his poor cats. Luke has had a cat from kitten stages at this point olive and finds her really really great he was not the biggest fan of pagoda he always seemed afraid of pagoda not afraid of olive and while andrew gets irritated by his cats meowing luke finds it's cute and on brand which i thought was a good phrase
1: <laughs> well andrew's yeah. also yeah. had the cats for like 15 or however many years, I don't know how old Theo was when they got him, but he's seventeen now, right? So the the yeah. bloom has worn off that relationship in a way that maybe it hasn't with Luke and Olive.
2: That's true. That's a good point. Andrew just hates being meallered at
1: <laughs> That was pretty funny. Uh
2: there's a Quincy Jones follow up. Conversation mostly is about the intervention his daughters did with him to just stop his diarrhea of the mouth. And (laughs) they seem to think that, that, uh, they, that no intervention was necessary, no apology was necessary. I don't think it was necessarily necessary, but (laughs) it was a good idea because he was only going to, it was only going to snowball further and he was going to only say more things that he probably would have regretted.
0: So,
1: right. He just, It's not that he was saying anything that was untrue, but he said some things that hurt feelings of people that he cared about and friends. And so he needed to make those apologies and get right with those people. And uh, the silliest thing about this conversation was that Luke was like, Quincy Jones can say TBTL is terrible. And I wouldn't mind. I was like, whatever. You would do nothing but think about (laughs) Quincy Jones insulting TBTL for the next month if it was you. Luke
2: Burbank, he'd fuck a mailbox. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. nice sure, like you that. wouldn't get your feelings. <laughs> you wouldn't get your feelings hurt at all, Luke.
2: Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. It was a strange, uh, strange conversation. I didn't, I didn't think they had much of a point, um, mm-hmm. but it did lead to Luke talking about living in Whitetown, which turned into Whiten, <laughs> and I enjoyed that.
0: Well, the actual Whitestown or Whitesboro, which is a village in Whitestown, in New York State. Famous for its incredibly racist seat. I'm hoping
2: it's what? White's Bro and not Borough. Just White's <laughs> B-R-O.
0: It's not that far from Cooperstown in the grand scheme of things. Okay.
1: I think we've talked about that before because I recognize that horrifying logo. Yes, we we definitely have.
2: <laughs> White's Bro. Uh, yeah, it's like that's probably where they got the Pawnee um, yeah. city yeah. thing from. All right, uh, Andrew comes up big time blank on making an MGMT joke. Uh, God God bless him for keeping it in there. I appreciate that. <laughs> they refu- they uh, reviewed the Jurassic Park franchise for some reason. I guess it was because the the music that they were playing was, they, they were going to play for the listener was from The Hunt for the Wilder People, which I think the reason that Luke picked that Song so that he could talk about how he'd seen that movie even though he knew nobody would have seen that movie and that person had something to do with Jurassic Park, blah, 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 blah. All that to say, Music for your weekends, Luke has Chris Staples' Black Tornado, Andrew has Foxygen, San Francisco, and I thought, again, that was just terrible. <laughs> Andrew's on a real hot streak of some really terrible Music. Yeah. It was how, Donovan. It never switched out of Donovan.
1: How can a band <laughs> named Foxygen produce any good songs? <laughs> right?
2: It comes from a terrible place to start with. There's just <laughs> any any good song will be a total accident after you've named your band Foxygen. All right. Jill has Nina Simone, Cinnamon. Um and that uh was it. There was a note, uh, Bobby.
0: Yeah, there was just a conversation about Chris Staples and listening to records from front to back. And as we'll mention in a minute in housekeeping, Earbuds and Earworms this week is stuff I want to force my friends to listen to. And I had noted to Amy that I would just make friends listen to Fleetwood Mac's Rumors from end to end because I think it's mm-hmm. not only one of the best albums ever made, but it does a particularly good job of being a good album in album order from end to end in albums today, kids these days just don't yep. don't appreciate because it's not an LP or a cassette even you know it's so much easier to skip around there's not that that dynamic of building a good album that there used to be and so that would be my answer and I know I always get excited because this is one place where stew the Stewbot and I are in complete sync is this rumors um Fleetwood Mac album so uh, if you're going to listen to an album from front to back and you don't want to listen to Foxygen, and I don't blame you, try Rumors <laughs> from Front to Back.
2: I I have a suggestion as well. I, I love that album, Front to Back. That's fantastic. Um, the one that I listen to, Front to Back a lot, is Death Cab for Cuties, Transatlanticism. I've been listening to that one end-to-end end for a long time now, so I would recommend that one as well. So there you go. But I hate music. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm happy to do the next part, but Mike, could you get me into it?
2: (laughs) Sure. Bobby, uh, do we have any housekeeping? Come on. I'm not going to tap the mic. People are mad at me.
1: I'll do it. Housekeeping!
0: Too loud. Very (laughs) That was. Thank you. Thank you, man. You can purchase stuff from us that benefits the production of this show. Things like tote bags and shirts and mugs that have funny things on them that you will get as a P1 or maybe as a P2 of TBTL.
2: Hey, Farnan was sporting his, uh, RAR t-shirt looking good. Yeah. In that picture with his new niece. We're not big on nice job. Shout
0: outs for things like that. But if you're wearing our merch, we're, we're going to have to do it. So,
2: Oh, well, hell yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, find those, uh, on our website, a little or if you must go directly to the store, 10710.com 7 10.com slash shop. Uh, we are as always looking for more archivists and you can email Christy or reach out to her through Facebook to learn more about that. Buy things on Amazon, including but not limited to six pound bags of Cadbury mini eggs by going to <laughs> littlebreadbandwagon.com slash Amazon, and then shop to your heart's content. We get a few cents from everything you buy. I can't wait to see how many cents we got for that bag of uh, mini eggs. I assume the person who got them for you would order them through our referral link since it was posted to the page this week. And as I mentioned earlier, E&E this week is stuff you want to force your friends to listen to. So take a listen to that. You can find us at that aforementioned website, littleredbandwagon.com. You can send in your hugs and throwing of your phones to throwyourphone.com. On Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon, the show Twitter is LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com and leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL that's 802-432-8285 and with that, I will get us out of here until next time this is the next party
2: we love you, Jim.
1: nailed it
0: just so you know ScarJo's birthday is November 22nd
1: (laughs) I missed it
0: so put it in the notes for next year.